and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we continue our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Green Bay Packers. Certainly seemed like, you know, a hell of a regular season, one that was hopefully going to lead to more playoff success. We really only saw them look mortal once all year in that first matchup against the Buccaneers. I mean, even the losses after that, Vikings by six points, Colts in overtime. These were not games that seemingly exposed the league's number one ranked scoring offense by any stretch of the imagination. First round, you know, comfortable victory over the Rams. Things seem to be looking up. Aaron Rodgers nearing his second Super Bowl appearance. Not so fast, my friends. Tampa Bay Buccaneers knocked them off 31-26 in the NFC Championship to stop quite a long streak of the number one, number two teams kind of getting out of the uh, playoffs, but that's a story for another day. Anyway, Packers, again, made it to the NFC Championship. Aaron Rodgers went back to God mode after a couple years where he just didn't seem like quite the same caliber player. This is still a team that has anyone's idea of a legit Super Bowl contender ahead of 2021. But every NFL team has some roster holes, and they have an entire offseason to get through them. That's what, here, that's what we are here to do today to discuss, and I have a very special guest to help me do so for the Packers. He is the host of Reporting as Eligible and Milwaukee's Tailgate Podcast, contributor at SB Nation's Green Bay Packers site, Acme Pack & Co. He is Paul Noonan, who you can follow on Twitter at Badger Noonan. Paul, thanks for the time, man. Happy offseason. Uh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yes, sir. And, you know, hey, again, very, very great year for the Packers. I know, you know, Rogers, one, yeah. of, the great, one of the great quotes he had uh, kind of in the offseason when they were asking him, hey, you know, like, you've really been playing great this year. What happened these previous years? And he pretty much just said, you know, some of my down years are career years for uh, other guys. So <laughs> certainly understand Too that. True. Yeah. Even if we get a regression, I mean, this offense could be in a good spot, but maybe not so on some other positions. So per usual, Paul and I, we're going to go through three team needs, then uh, go through some workload related stuff in 2021 and get things out of here with a bulk call so paul start things off please with your three team needs for the packers ahead of 2021 offseason um i think one of the best ways to find your team need is actually to play against tom brady um (laughs) and really their biggest one their single biggest need in the offseason is cornerback um which you saw exposed heavily in the nfc championship game so the packers have a good foundation there with jair alexander who is one of if not the best cornerback in the league he was actually pff's number one corner overall um this season but aside from him it's just weakness everywhere and and you could see that Tom Brady specifically went after Kevin King, the outside corner on the other side, over and over and over again, whenever they needed to get anything done. And that was kind of a repeating theme all year. Um, King's King's a weird player. He is uh, not terrible. He's not as bad as he kind of grades out to be and looks at. Um, he's just a, a weird guy. He's, he's very tall. He's 6'4". Six, 6'4 four. Six, four corners don't usually work out. There's really only one in the league who, who does, and that's Richard Sherman. And King's a completely different player from that guy. So... Um, he's good in man. He's good near the end zone, but he's not good for the zone. The Packers play and he's a free agent to boot. And I don't think that they're going to be scrambling to get Kevin King back. So they kind of need to do a total rebuild at the corner position outside of Alexander. They just have a bunch of UDFAs and late round picks on the roster right now. And I suspect that they'll, they've gone to this well a lot lately in the draft (laughs) with not a lot of success. Uh, They've, They've uh, picked Josh Jackson very highly. Um, Going back to even like 2015, they've been trying to fix this position and can't get it done. But uh, that's their biggest need, and that's why Tom Brady was able to torch them so bad. So um, unfortunate, but it's a well-known one. (laughs) 100% with the cornerback, and we'll just stick on that for a second. I mean, look, they have the seventh fewest 2021 dollars devoted to their cornerbacks right now. Jair is going to be due, you know, for a mega extension before it's too long, I'm sure. But we got to invest more resources. And to your point, like they have been trying, it just hasn't really been all that successful. But yeah, and you know, you look at Jair Alexander and really, you know, even coming up uh, his first three years in the league when he wasn't the number one corner, but he was still having a lot of success, uh, you know, more weeks than not. And they d- used him a lot more on a, on the opposition's number one wide receiver 
receiver. And they were even doing that more in the earlier parts of this year. But after week seven, they didn't ask him to shadow once. Now, you know, we can debate whether it's better to have Jair on one guy and erase him or put him on one side of the field and erase that side of the field. But you would think that not only would adding some other high, higher end or at least above average cornerbacks help the overall defense, but it also might get, give them the confidence to let Jair go ahead and go back to tracking number one receivers. So really out of all the issues on defense, this does deserve to be a number one team need overall. Yeah, absolutely. And you could also see it in the Tampa Bay game in the second half. Um, Mike Pettin actually finally shifted and just let Jair play on an island one-on-one against people and gave help to everybody else. And it actually worked. It, it, it uh, prompted Tom Brady to throw two interceptions to single coverage with yeah. Alexander making things look more open. And that's, they just need average people. They don't need good people around him. They just need average <laughs> people around him to, to sort of make average plays. And that'll be a, a plenty good enough pass defense to, to get the Packers home. Um, just got to make it happen. hundred <laughs> percent. What's your uh, second team need? So uh, maybe a little surprising, but I actually think it is wide receiver. Um, and I think people understand, or maybe fail to understand just how much the scheme um, played out to get uh, Rogers help outside of Devonte Adams. So kind of like the quarterbacks, actually, they have one standout. Adams is obviously, you know, spectacular, one of the best receivers in football, if not the best receiver in football, but a lot of the other good that happened on offense was much more due to Matt LaFleur scheming guys open than it was to anything anybody else did. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling was ostensibly at the number two receiver for most of the year. He's, he's a fast guy. He's a deep threat. He's a burner. And to his credit, he got a lot better as the season went on. He ended up being a, a game run blocker and he ended up kind of expanding his role in running other parts of the route tree, but he has terrible hands. He is never going to be a threat on anything other than deep balls. And he drops about half of the deep balls that are, that hit him in the hands too. Honestly, Rogers numbers would have been uh, several hundred yards and a few more touchdowns better than they were with just a guy with better hands running routes out there. Um, Alan Lazard would be the other one. He actually had a very nice year the year before. He's a kind of a DVOA superstar, but he dropped a lot of passes and ran a lot of incorrect routes at the end of the season. And um, both guys are late round picks slash UDFAs. Um, you know, they have some talent, but uh, they have glaring holes and uh, good defenses were able to take them away when they needed to take them away. Um, they relied a lot on Robert Tanyan, who again had a very efficient season. But if you look at his yak numbers uh, at the tight end spot, he really just got what was schemed to him. He didn't create any of his own yardage. And his big thing is he does, he never drops a pass. He basically never, ever, ever dropped a pass. So um, good defenses could cover those guys. And when you put a, a pressure on Alex or on Adams to be the entire offense, he actually can struggle a little bit. You could take him away with bracketed double coverage. And if you make them, throw to Adams right off the line. Um, the Packers like to do that for some reason, even though it's a very inefficient throw. Um, that's when they ran into trouble. Um, forcing it to Adams short was always a bugaboo for them all year. And they need somebody to take some pressure off of him because they don't have anybody who can create their own shot except for him. Yeah, and looking at this group, I mean, okay, MBS, you know, we heard all the Wolf Fuller trade rumors, you know, during the season. Like, yes, that would be an upgrade right there. But for me, looking at this room, to your point, like, MBS did improve as the year went on. He is someone that defenses have to actively look to give safety help because Rodgers can drop that ball in a bucket 50 yards downfield, and you better have a guy there because, hey, even if he does drop half of them, he catches the other half. So, as you know, much crap as we want to give MBS for those drops, I don't think that he's necessarily out of place as the offense's field stretcher. I would love to see a more consistent 
in, I guess, a slot type. I know they like to move Adams all over the field, but they really haven't ever replaced Randall Cobb. Maybe Alan Lazard, you know, exclusive rights free agent. Hopefully he's back. Maybe he can stay healthy and be that guy. I think he has shown, uh, you know, some higher end ability over the past few years, but let's just, try to see what happens if we invest some high-end resources because Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and Ty Montgomery, who's arguably a running back, those <laughs> are the only wide receivers they drafted in the top three rounds over the past decade. It's like the opposite of the cornerback room in terms of, you know, resource allocation, yet they still are lucky enough to have, you know, Devontae Adams. So do you agree that, you know, maybe as much as people, you know, want to kind of look at Will Fuller and some of these flashier field stretchers, like maybe looking at more of a slot type, someone that can win more of the underneath areas of the field could be a better complement to their existing uh, core? Yeah, I, I do think they could use a true slot. They they run a lot of big slots. Lazard actually played a lot out of the slot and did an okay job, but they really do kind of lack that quick twitch guy in the middle of the field. And um, uh, while I do like, like MVS, to his credit, did improve greatly as the year went on, um, I do like him a little bit more as a three, as a field stretcher, rather than somebody that can take pressure off of Adam. So I, I do think they could use an outside guy too. Um, this is fortunately a good a good year to need a receiver. It's a very deep draft, and there's also a ton of good free agents um, up and down the, the chart. For, you know, There's high-end guys, and there's also kind of depth guys that I think could help out. And given that it's kind of going to be a weird season financially, I think that you'll be able to get a few guys cheap too. I think they'll be more active in the free agent market than they normally are. Fingers crossed, man. That's always what we're hoping for. Usually don't see it, but this would make sense for them, you know, again, in such a uh, hopefully renewed Rogers window, uh, get him another weapon, please. Paul, what is your final team need ahead to 2021 offseason? Um, so one that gets short shrift from analytics people, I do think that they need to still improve their, their off ball, their inside linebacker play. Um, it's, it got, it wasn't terrible. It's, it's been, but it's better than it's been in a while. Um, and there's even a little bit of potential talent there. They drafted Kamal Martin in the fifth round last year, and he spent the first six weeks of the season out. He had a knee surgery to repair torn meniscus. When he came back in small sample sizes, he was actually pretty good. Um, he has some trouble missing tackles, but he's usually in the right spot and he kind of flashed hammering people. Um, the, the problems there are uh, Chris Barnes also not terrible, better than last year, but he's undersized. Um, he got knocked out a couple times and he gets uh, overpowered in North South. Um, he's good at chasing down East West, but, uh, and then Christian Kirksey, um, once a very good, once a very athletic player has definitely lost a few steps um, early on in the season. He actually could not catch Kirk Cousins from behind. Um, he did get some veteran savvy interceptions as the year went on. He's not terrible in run defense, but they get picked on at inside linebacker. And I, I know it's not a glamour position. I know it's not one you want to pay a lot for, um, but uh, the underbelly of the Packer defense is a place where people made hay all year and have for many, many years. And they need at least one competent person who can actually get a deep drop and take some of the center of the field away and actually like capitalize on Kenny Clark being in front of him and, and wrap people up in the backfield instead of getting pushed two yards downfield. So it's, I do think they need to improve that. It's funny you bring up the Cousins uh, Kirksey moment. It, it's whenever I'm watching a game and you see, you know, a relatively unathletic quarterback, or, you know, any NFL quarterback is more athletic than I have ever been in my entire life. So relatively under athletic uh, quarterback makes, you know, one of these ferocious, you know, defenders miss in the open field. And you're just like, oh my God, the second they put that up in film room, that dude's going to be chastised by the entire unit. But you said it, man. I mean, look, this got them r literally run out of the building in 2019 to end their playoff run there against the 49ers. And they just really didn't address it and even if they were hoping that you know some of the draft picks and the guys could improve in year two i mean ultimately not a single linebacker was graded among pff's top 80 players at the position i mean this only the cowboys a lot more yards before contact were carry that is an atrocious group to be in the yeah. cowboys run defense and even the pressure rate slip man i mean honestly 
I'm with you. I had cornerback wide receiver and, you know, picking a specific third position group. I agree probably inside linebacker, but I just had the entire front seven written down because other than Kenny Clark and <laughs> Darius Smith, I think they need help everywhere. This pass rush, man, they were second in pressure rate in 2019 and then 27th in 2020. Now, you know, maybe Clark and Darius just kind of put the defense on their back, but they need help I- everywhere. I do think Rashawn Gary is actually good. Um, his pressure rate was pretty good. I, I, they, they made a mistake by playing uh, Preston Smith too much when it was clear that he had lost a step and just was not going to get it done this year. Um, Gary flashed a lot. I, I like him. He, I think he's made good improvements and he'll be fine at providing that pass rush. I do think that the, the next, the fourth position would be defensive line because there's nothing there outside of Kenny Clark. That yeah. is a, that's a rough position. It's just that when you have him to anchor it, you don't need great players around him. I do think Kingsley KK is okay for run stopping purposes. And, you know, you could fill in another guy there and have decent production. Um, so I'm, I'm less worried about all that. Zedarius and I th- and, uh, and uh, uh, Rashawn Gary, I think, are a fine duo to have starting off there. But um, that inside linebacker spot just doesn't clean up the easy stuff for him. Yeah. So, and hey, again, I mean, this defense really wasn't atrocious by any stretch. No, I know we're, I know okay. we're kind of hating on them, but they've been okay. And hey, and if they can add one or two, you know, pieces, maybe hit on some uh, later round picks, could be above average to even great in a hurry. We got the blue chippers. We got Jair out there. You know, Kenny Clark's there. It's Gary, as you bring it up. Just need maybe some other guys to fill it out. Great stuff, Paul. Again, those three team needs are cornerback, wide receiver, and inside linebacker with a hat tip to the rest of the front seven as well. Moving along, we're going to look at some 2021 workload related stuff. Now, we were recording this on February 19th, unfortunately had the, uh, we've been doing good with these uh, pre-recordings so far, had the uh, Colts podcast drop uh, today, Eagles tomorrow, <laughs> right after the one trade. So that was unfortunate, but I'm cautiously optimistic as I'm knocking on wood, we will not be facing a similar issue with this podcast. So Paul, first things first, I want to talk a little about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was someone that I missed on from a fantasy perspective coming into this year, not because I was necessarily doubting the guy but he just wasn't the same world beater from 2015 and 2019 as he was from 2010 and 2014 we talked about before he was still anyone's idea of a great quarterback but you know his reputation seemed like at a certain point it was maybe uh, a little bit better than what he was on field that all got wiped away in 2020 the dude was arguably the best i think he was the best single season version of himself ever maybe 2011 either way he was absolutely amazing now are we looking at a legit second prime do you expect the same aaron Rodgers to be back in 2020 or do you expect a little bit of a regression because hey they didn't add again maybe they add more pieces but that was what caught me so off guard like how did Rodgers take this jump you can say continuity with the offense maybe that is a key point that I'm just overlooking but without adding any receivers other than Devin Funches who opted out I didn't see it coming do you (laughs) do you expect this newfound again second prime for Rodgers to continue or was this maybe just an incredible one-year wonder I actually do expect it to continue. I think it's hard to underrate how much the scheme difference um, impacted Rodgers. And it's interesting to finally see sort of the Kyle Shanahan offense with an actual good quarterback running it. Uh, it's an offense that's basically designed to be able to run by average uh, Jimmy Garoppolo types. And if you put an all-time great in it and generate a lot of open looks for him, he's going to hit a lot of them. So um the, the fact of the matter is Rodgers didn't actually have to make a lot of hard Aaron Rodgers throws this year. Uh, a lot of those are sort of easy throws to Devontae off the line. A lot of bubble screens. I hate them, but they run them a lot. Um, and then just hitting on deep passes where a guy like Robert Tanya will just leak out and get open. And Rodgers is great at hitting those. So I don't expect that to go away. Um, LaFleur's proven to be a, a very good offensive coach. Uh, that was one of, I think, our big doubts about 
him coming back is that Lafleur's track record wasn't great. He was Tennessee's offensive coordinator, and they didn't have a very good offense when he was there. And he's kind of an afterthought. But um, it, it, as it turns out, this offense works very well with a player like Rodgers in it. It creates a lot of easy throws for an accurate passer for a guy who's not afraid to sit back there and wait for things to come open. And um, talent helps a lot. But the fact that they have this scheme going from sort of the very, very basic Mike McCarthy, you know, run 10 yards and get yourself open versus, you know, pre-snap motion and um, using play action much more than they ever did before is a huge upgrade. They're not going to stop that and he'll be fine. He might, re- he might come back a little bit because his stats were so good this year and you always get some regression to the, you know, when, when you're the best in, in the game, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he had regression last year. That happens. It, it's going to happen a little bit, but he'll certainly be a top five passer as long as he stays healthy. And if they can get him some weapons, he might be able to fight against that a little bit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get an opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus only at DraftKings Sportsbook. It must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, he's going to regress because how can you possibly be that freaking good to back-to-back season? We just don't see it happen, particularly that 9.1% touchdown rate. But, again, we might be talking regression from number one to, like, number two or three. Love yep. everything you mentioned with the scheme. More play action, more pre-snap motion. And, yeah, you know, credit to LaFleur, someone that I think was getting uh, mocked a lot his first year kind of with the Packers. And I, I realized things didn't end perfectly for Packers fans. It doesn't end perfectly for 31 teams every single season. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully year three continues to bring along those uh, sorts of wide-open plays. And Rodgers, you know, makes the most out of this great offensive system. Want to look at the running back uh, position. We got Aaron uh, yes. and Jamal Williams as free. It's the main event coming up. Uh, let's assume, or I'd like to hear your thoughts on one. Do you, do you anticipate Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams leaving? And kind of off of that, what are your expectations for AJ Dillon's 2021 role? Okay. So they are not in a great cap space right now. They have the ability to generate more. I actually, I suspect that there's more restructuring in their future. Um, but if they bring back Aaron Jones, I'll be shocked. Uh, it's just not something they tend to do. Um, I think somebody out there is going to pay him a lot of money and justifiably so. But I do think that the Packers are one of those teams that adheres to the idea that, that running backs um, aren't that valuable in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's one of uh, this. Yes, they spent a second round pick on one. But one of the reasons you do that is so you don't have to pay one a bunch of money and wreck your cap with the running back. So I think Jones is as good as gone. If they bring him back, I'll be absolutely floored. Um, Jamal Williams, on the other hand, I think has a good chance to come back. Um, Now, I I believe he recently fired his agent. So maybe he's looking for a little bit more money than, than you expect, but I know they like him a lot. Um, And 
if you're going to bring back a running back on a free agent contract, I like it with Williams a lot more than Jones because Williams does a lot of the, sort of the soft skill things that take time to develop in the pros. You can get a guy to come in right out of college and, and rush for five yards a carry. That's not too bad. What Williams does is pass protect really well, um, catch the ball efficiently out of the backfield really well. And he's never fumbled as a professional player. Wow. So, um, that's harder to find in the draft. Those are skills that usually take a while to actually develop. Um, also, Williams, to his credit, was a rare best shape of his life guy this year where it actually seemed to matter. Um, <laughs> and usually that's just all nonsense talk. But right. um, if you actually look at Williams sort of um, underneath advanced stats of, of uh, expected yards, um, or yards gained over expected, he was actually better than Jones. Um, he gets a lot of the tougher situations, um, but he, he really did produce a kind of across the board and I think they really like him. So he won't be as expensive as Jones. His flashy numbers aren't as good as Jones. And I think they'll be able to get him back cheap. And uh, since your alternative is AJ Dillon, who is not yet adept at pass blocking. And the last thing you want is to get Aaron Rodgers killed with yeah. a running back misses a block. You, you need a guy like Williams there. So yeah. I think Dylan will get a lot of carries. Um, he'll get a huge increase in workload, but I think you'll still see him out on third down a lot. Um, and uh, I think, though, in the grand scheme of things, you'll kind of see, so if I'm right that Williams is back, you'll see kind of a 50-50 split there with Williams taking a lot of third downs, um, plus some early down work, and Dylan kind of grinding out middle of the field and first and second down stuff. So only issue there, you said you'd be floored if Aaron Jones is back. You could have oh, said he'd be, you'd be love floored. <laughs> Get it? But, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that entire thing. Sorry, everybody. But looking at this, so look, it's really been more of a, you know, I've been writing a running back committee article every, during every week of the season last yeah. two years. Aaron Jones, like he's one of these guys that everyone would be shocked when I, when I put up the snap rate. It's like, oh, he only played 55% snaps last week. Jamal Williams is out there a ton too. Now, usually as much as we hated the snap rate, Jones would still get begin the bulk of the carries. Do you think Dylan could be that, you know, the like, if, if there's 400 touches distributed next season, do you anticipate it being more of a 200-200 or more of a, you know, Dylan's still getting most of the touches, even though Williams is out there for more of you know, the pass protection stuff? So my guess would be that, it is Williams getting the bulk early in the season okay. for the first maybe half-ish of the season. And that's sort of starting to flip as the season goes on, as they start to get a little more confidence in Dylan's abilities on passing plays. I think they, they want him to take the, the bulk of that as time goes on. He's a more dynamic runner. Like it, yeah. if you look at like his speed score and like his, his Raz card, that guy is one of the best athletes in the league, especially for a big back. Like there's nobody like Derek Henry, but he's one of the closer that you're going to find. Yeah. So um, they're going to try to get him the bulk of the carries as much as possible. They drafted him high for that reason. And he has shown it when he's been on the field, like his, you know, his per play stats are great. Um, so I, I suspect they'll go with what's comfortable early, uh, work him in. And by the end of the season, he'll probably be getting more along the lines of the Jones split that you're used to. Makes sense. And yeah, people, we'll keep an eye on these average draft positions over in Fantasyland, but I anticipate Williams being the far better value with people probably trying to pay up a little bit more for Dylan. Kind of reminds me of what we have in Baltimore going on between J.K. Dobbs and Gus yep. Evers. There's nothing wrong with Jamal Williams. The only reason why he's almost got like a bad rap in Fantasyland is because we wanted Aaron Jones to have more touches. There's nothing. I mean, I love when uh, Williams got that spot start against the Texans, rips off a big play, helmet flies off, and he's more jacked up than anybody <laughs> on the sideline. Like, he's fun to watch play football. I love yeah, his yeah. love uh, for the game. Just, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon, uh, truthers out there, prepared to probably be a little bit underwhelmed with his touch count. Uh, before we get to bull call, I want to break down these uh, receivers just a little bit more. Again, we can talk about Adams for 60 minutes, you know, 
he was my pick for wide receiver king of 2020. I mean, 18 scores in 13 and a quarter games, basically regular season games, not even counting the playoffs. Absolutely wild. Quietly due for a new contract after this season. Should we expect Adams to, before too long, become the NFL's highest paid wide receiver? I mean, he just turned 28 last December. Seems like he's still got plenty of good years ahead of him. Yeah, I think it's very, very likely, especially um, I think you'll see him get extended possibly very soon. And it just they don't have anything behind him. It, it's not like they can let Adams walk. And yeah. he's still young enough that he's not going to suffer a severe decline, at least for, you know, three or four more years. Um, he also, he may be the kind of receiver who doesn't really decline. I think he'll age pretty gracefully. Um, a lot of his, you know, a lot of what makes him great is his ability to get off the line cleanly, his, his escape off the line, his break. Um, not his, like, just flat-out speed or anything like that. And uh, he doesn't tend to take a, a bunch of huge hits either for that reason. He's a, he's a shifty guy. He gets himself out of bounds and he gets himself down. So um, I think he is up for an extension very soon, maybe even this season. And I do think you'll see him become the highest paid receiver in the league pretty quickly. Um, so, as he should be. As he should yeah, be. As, I mean, he long. is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely deserving. Great stuff. And yeah, look, I mean, he's been banged up. We had that annoying stat going in this year and people, he's only had one season with over a thousand yards because 997 is just underneath uh, the threshold. He's never missed more than four games in a year. He's shown that he can come back from the injuries, continue to play at a high level. If you don't yep. want to give Devonte Adams a long-term deal, I don't know if there's another wide receiver in the world that you want to give a long-term deal. Last thing though, because as we brought up, we do want to add another wide receiver to this equation. Maybe it's one of your bull, if it is your bull call about someone specific going in the wide receiver spot that's fine but if not who is like a free agent or a, a wide receiver in the draft that you would just love to see insert into this offense whether or not it's you know entirely realistic so love to see would be chris godwin who's a free yes. agent yes. um who is also one of the best receivers in football and actually somewhat similar to Devonta adams a guy who can work outside and in the slots and has similar shiftiness um, a guy i think that they may take a look at who they can be had for a song is actually marvin jones who is also a free agent the second best detroit free agent wide receiver out there um but he is a more reliable deep threat um than mvs is he's a good outside guy and i think he can be had for not nothing but he's sort of in that second tier of free agents when there's going to be an elite draft class and a bunch of guys better than him and i don't think he's going to command a lot of money I mean, money's going to be tight this offseason for most teams and so uh, i kind of in in that tier i think there's a lot of guys you can have um for not cap busting uh value so yeah, I like the Marvin Jones call. Nine touchdowns in three of his last four seasons, and even the one he didn't, he was actually on pace before he got injured. He's turning 31 soon. Like, okay, he's not going to be separating, but when you have Rodgers, you can put that football, you know, any on a dime anywhere he wants on the field. Like, that would be a perfect pairing almost. Yeah, and you can probably get a guy like that for a shorter-term deal as yeah. well, um, and sort of a challenge contract. One of the things about free agency this year, I think you'll see you'll see more ring chasing and prove it contracts than normal. Nobody's going to want to make a long-term deal. Um, after the COVID season when money's tight because you're not going to get your, your normal value that you would. And the cap's not super low. It didn't come in um, where some people were projecting it, but it's still not the be in people's best interest to you know make their future deals on uh, a bad economy. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. No, very good point. Paul, great stuff all around. Do you have a bold draft offseason 2021 projection take to leave us with? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that the Packers have been consistent about since sort of the Brett Favre era, a little before, um, is keeping a, a rolling, um, rolling set of quarterbacks coming through. And I think that before the season actually starts, that you'll see them restructure and extend Rodgers. 
um, he gets his cap numbers very big this year, and it really almost doesn't make sense to do anything else. Um, there's this perception that they're not going to give him any more or extend it because they have Jordan Love on the team. That's not how the Packers operate, and they don't view think like they don't view quarterbacks in house as heir apparents and never have. Uh, if you go back to when Aaron Rodgers actually took over for Brett Favre, um, he, he didn't start starting until 2008. They drafted him in 2005. Between the time that happened, the Packers actually drafted many more quarterbacks, including Brian Brom in the second <laughs> round of 2008. They took Matt Flynn that same year. So um, they're not going to just hand it over to Jordan Love, especially if they end up thinking he's not very good seeing him in camp. Yeah. Um, given what they just saw out of Rodgers, given the fact that Rodgers cut his sack rate like by like over 60% this year, isn't taking as many, more, as many hits. Um, they have every incentive to uh, extend him and keep him on the team. And if they have to end up trading love, so be it. That's a good problem to have, not a bad problem to have. And they can free up a ton of cap space if they convert a salary into signing bonus and extend it out a little bit. So um, I predict that that will happen and the Packers will suddenly have a flush of money that they can use in free agency and bring in at least a, at least one wide receiver in doing so. I understand why people, and hey, I mean, I'm sure I was critical uh, at certain points about them, you know, drafting Love and Dylan and the fullbacks, like not getting anything out of their first three round picks wasn't ideal. But the idea of drafting quarterbacks in the first two rounds, like we saw the Eagles do with Hurts, doesn't, you know, bad pun, doesn't hurt just because, like, again, these <laughs> rookie quarterback on that rookie contract, or just a quarterback on a rookie contract, excuse me, arguably the most valuable team building thing in sports. So even if, hey, you're Sebert Rogers, but if they can show some semblance that Love is ready to you know take over somewhere else i mean they, they could probably get more than the first round back for them so yes. just getting those sort of resources in the organization whether or not they're going to be used immediately uh you know maybe not the worst thing uh, when we look at it over a longer term yeah i actually don't like love as a prospect uh, i think there's a lot of red flags on yeah. his college numbers that i don't really care for but i'm almost never going to criticize a team for taking any quarterback in the first round because the way to set up your team for a decade of success is to get a good quarterback and the fact of the matter is it's just way 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 more valuable than anything else you can use it on so um if they i doubt they'll pick a quarterback this year but if they pick a quarterback again in the next year or two i won't be that surprised and i won't be mad about it either yeah i mean look and i'm over writing off quarterbacks before i see them play in nfl snap <laughs> then, you know i saw the herbert pick the josh allen daniel yeah, jones verdict still out those guys but let's see him play some professional snaps first exactly i'm still adjusting to josh allen being good myself but <laughs> i mean kudos to everybody involved i think that there's a good uh, developmental driveline story behind the scenes there too you hear about his beach workouts and i think that there may be a bit of a revolution in quarterback development as a result and also just i mean we kind of started things off uh you know i asked you like how aaron Rodgers got so much better and just the scheme like yeah you know what continuity helps in it real does. life and football alike so credit to the bills and now the packers for getting that continuity going with their respective offenses that's gonna do it, everybody thank you paul for the time everyone make sure you follow paul on twitter at badger noonan that's uh, badger than n-o-o-n-a-n paul where can the people hear you and read your work throughout the offseason uh, I, I host a Green Bay Packer focus podcast called Reporting is Eligible. Um, we, we we decrease our frequency in the offseason, but we're always week to week during the regular season. Uh, I also do a Brewer focused baseball podcast called Milwaukee's Tailgate. And I write at the SB Nation Packers site, Acme Packing Company. Great stuff there. Again, follow Paul on Twitter at Badger Noonan. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Paul. I'm Ian. And until next time, take care, everybody.